0: Hello everybody, this is Trina Gunzel and welcome to another episode of the Legacy and Legends podcast. It is my absolute pleasure today to introduce you to my next guest as part of this really special Light the World series that we are doing to lift humanity, to spread some sparkle i hope you were sharing your sparkle if you're participating in that hashtag share sparkle that we're doing and i just wanted to encourage you that wherever you are in your journey right now maybe you're going through something a little bit challenging maybe you're missing somebody through the holidays maybe your spirit's just a little bit down i really hope that you will grab a cup of hot cocoa or some tea or coffee and cozy in and listen to some of these stories that are going to inspire and uplift you and hopefully create a deeper connection as we come together in this series. So please welcome to the stage my guest today, Barb Higgins. Welcome, Barb. Hi, Trina. Welcome to YouTube. It's really nice to be here it's so nice to meet you and we have to share with our audience since i have a youtube channel i'll post this on too can you guys when you draw in your people you can tell we literally have the exact same mama bear mug which i thought that was super cool i've never met anyone else who has the same exact one the universe knows what the universe knows yeah that's right and i seriously think that like be your authentic self because your dream clients your people your tribe right your friends they will literally be drawn to you. You know, I don't think there are any coincidences. I think we're literally on the path to meet the people we're meant to meet. So I'm so glad you're here. Well,
1: it's really, really good to be here. So I, I want to just let everyone know as well that I came upon Trina in my late night social media scrolling. And my one of my sort of resolutions was to stop mindless social media scrolling and really pay attention to people that stood out to me. And I'm here and I'm honored to be here because I love everything that Trina stands for. And how much she puts into helping others and really connecting women. I mean connecting everybody, but you know, connecting women. We still live in a in a world that women need to really stick together and help one another. So I'm I'm just excited to have this avenue to share my story because it's a good
0: story. <laughs> thank you. Barbara, thank you so much. And you were so sweet this morning before we started recording, like some of the things you shared and that you were like, In binge listening to the podcast and like hearing these stories, it just made me so happy because that's the thing. Like, I've been creating this content for years now, and I want people to hear it and connect and know they're not alone. And honestly, with a global network, if I hear there's some way I can help somebody or connections I make, I mean, I can be excited to learn more about your foundation and your story. I know there's going to be people who will hear your message today and reach out to you, and it's just going to help make that ripple effect around the globe. So, thank you for being willing to share. Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to. I'm happy to. So yeah, so, I'm going to go ahead and just turn over the stage to you so that you can share your sparkle and let us know your story. All right, all right. So I'm I'm recording this
1: in this shirt that I slept in. I am a very very uh, low low maintenance person here. Um, I love it. <laughs> let's hang out. Yeah. So um, so the the part of my life story that I will share began in 2016 when my daughter Molly died. And she died very suddenly. She was alive one day and dead the next is the easiest way to say it. She had an undiagnosed brain tumor. We had taken her to the doctors four weeks in a row. We were just turned away, called an ambulance, ambulance to the ER, 16 hours unconscious in an ER, refusing a CAT scan. Brain tumor blew up in her head and killed her. That was a very traumatic day. That was May 1st, 2016. So oh my
0: God.
1: that was in many ways extremely life ending. My life stopped. I'm a I'm a big journaler and I always have like a day planners. And when you look at 2016, from January to May, it's full. And then the rest mm. of the year is just white. And it's it's just such a good, like, physical example of of my life just sort of stopping. So I had a couple of very, very, very rough years, very dark years, um, where I really did nothing. I could barely function. Um, my daughter Gracie was 15 when Molly died. Molly was 13. They were very, very close. Um, and in those first two years, even though things were dark, we, we muddled along. I mean, you have to, life continues. Right. Uh, Gracie's dad Kenny, Gracie and Molly's dad, Kenny, where he's my life partner, he um he needed a kidney transplant at the time as well. So he was undergoing dialysis. So we, we just had this life that was just as bleak wow. as could be. So for like two years, um we we were involved in a lawsuit um with our with our local hospital. So that is time consuming and, and and it's kind of an energy suck it's a very negative experience yeah. um and and you know hospitals and insurance companies make it that way um mm-hmm. but we were very very focused on having some sort of vindication and 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 you know for Molly um sure. and also during that time I started to have this dream that I should have a baby so okay mm-hmm. you know'm 53 when Molly died why would I be having this dream so of course I thought I'm just crazy you know I've lost a child um mm-hmm. and so I having these crazy dreams. So Molly died in May. So as the summer went along and went into fall, the dreams became very, very persistent. And so I finally went to my doctor and had all this blood work and, and I was in sort of trauma induced menopause, which, you know, I, I was a very young 53, but trauma does amazing things to the body. Good and bad. Wow. Yeah. And so he said, yeah, your blood levels are okay. But you know, if you're gonna, if you want to have a baby, you're probably going to have to have, you know, fertility help and all this. And so I follow, I found a doctor in Boston and I followed all these steps and, and you know I had the mammogram and I had the colonoscopy, I did all the physical testing, and I was approved. But we were in the midst of of a lawsuit. we were still devastatingly depressed and and non-functional, and we were you know I, I wasn't working, so financially we were very we were just barely getting by. So I looked at mm. the sky and I said, please stop, please stop. <laughs> I, I can't mm. do the I'm not trying." And so the dreams went away. And we focused 2017 and 2018 on this lawsuit. Mm-hmm. 2018 June, we settled the lawsuit and we put that behind us. Which was, those of those listeners that understand child loss and all will know that it's like another loss. You know, you spend two mm-hmm. years talking about what if, and then it's just over. So summer of 2018 was a tricky summer, but it was also like, okay, I can be depressed forever, or I can do something and and be useful and and make something good out of this. Which is a mm-hmm. which is a major emotional shift, I think. Um that yeah. some have or some moms have sooner than others. So the dreams came back. I came down for coffee one day and and Kenny was on the porch and and I said, Hey, guess what dream I had? And he goes, The baby dream. And he had it as well. And he had never had the dream. So now he's having wow. it as well. <laughs> so so we called, we went back to the doctor. So, you know, I had to I had to redo a lot of all the medical stuff. The IVF process is is very, very, very Meticulously careful. People will often say that you know, such a big risk. It isn't a risk. They wouldn't let me do it if it was a risk. Every step you take, you have to get through that step to go to the next step. It really is a very careful process. But I was on piles of medication. I was on Lamictal and Lorazepam and Xanax, all the things that keeping me stable inside my head, or so I thought. I have a nerve Mm -hmm. condition in my face called trigeminal neuralgia, and so I was on all the Neurontin and Gabapentin and carbamazepine and all these anti-seizure meds, like all the, I was on so, I can't even Mm. believe I didn't function. So I had to go off of all of this. And so I had an unbelievably long, arduous three month experience of slowly cutting down all these meds. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I had to go to my, I had went to my primary care, this wonderful woman named Laura, and we made a big calendar. And we just laid out Mm -hmm. all the meds and we just, we just, I just, every day I'd wake up to see what I, what I didn't take that day. And it, it took a long time. Um, I, have, wow. I have huge respect for people, drug addicts that get clean. I'll tell you right now. I wasn't mm-hmm. even an addict. I mean, I was. My body was used to all these medicines, so yeah, it was incredibly painful. What happened is, as the fall went along, and I'm getting off all the meds, is my face started to hurt. I started to have incredible pain in my face because I have this nerve condition. You have a you have a nerve right behind your ear called your trigeminal nerve. So it's mm-hmm. your eye, your cheek, and your jaw. And so I have an, I have a wow. condition that makes me feel like I have a toothache all the time. So mm-hmm. it started to be super painful. And so I found this amazing doctor in New York City um, who specializes in this surgery. And so I said, look, I'm trying to have a baby. I can't be on medication. Could Would you be willing to um, see if you can fix my, my mouth? So he yeah. said, yes, an MRI, go have this MRI with contrast and this and that. So it was December of 2018 and I go and have the MRI and I come home and I'm sitting at the kitchen table and the phone rings and it's my neurologist's office and i look at kenny and i said okay you don't get a phone call 20 minutes after an mri with good news you just don't mm-hmm. yeah. so I and i have three brain tumors in my head this is the news i get what so, yes so my poor daughter yeah. who's senior in high school trying to be happy i just want a normal senior year has a father who's months away from dying from renal failure a dead okay. system and now a mother with three brain tumors it was it was the most horrifyingly bad, bad days. You know, I just, it was just one of those things. So in, in that process, a good friend of mine from high school, I grew up, I went to college right near the hospital I was going to. She took me to New York city. I go and meet the doctor. He sees the brain tears. We have a whole conversation. He takes my hands in his hands and says, you tell your daughter, I will, I will take care of you. You are going to be fine. So keep in mind now, I'm still, I'm still unemployed. I don't have money you know a lot of money yet like not. i'm just in, in a place I'm, how am i going to pay for this he said mm-hmm. don't worry that's not important right now what's important is getting you well so we stayed and did all the pre ops. so in january of 2019 i had this giant brain tumor taken out of my head now he told me it would be a very easy procedure and when i woke up i had no hair and a giant scar and he said it was much bigger than i thought and um and it was pressing it was like straight in my eye and my ear at the junction of the auditorium mm-hmm. ocular nerves. But it was compressing my carotid artery. And he said, you know, a few more months and this would have been a bad stroke. So I, I just I think about, so then I think, okay, the reason I'm supposed to have the baby is to find this. Like I wouldn't mm. have my medicine if I wasn't trying to make this baby, right? I, yeah. Yes. So that was a pretty intense winter. So January was a craniotomy to take the brain tumor out. February was radiation on the other side to blast the two little ones. There were three total. None of them were cancerous, thank God and then wow. April I had craniotomy on this side to fix the nerve condition so it's it, like I have some pain still like right now my mouth hurts a little bit when I get stressed out it hurts um but not I was paralyzed with pain before so all of 2019 yeah. is about my head right oh. so april comes and and that we get now we get around the anniversary of Molly's death coming up in year 3 you know it's a hard time of year for us so we went to disney so i'm bald with with all these scars and feeling terrible i've just had surgery kenny is so sick so everyone's at the parks and kenny and i are at the house just resting he's he's asleep on a lawn chair and i'm i'm sitting at the table and i see online that one of molly's friends molly my daughter who died from her dance school is on life support so i messaged the mother we don't know one another because this girl was a bit older than molly and when molly died everyone was so helpful to us like the community was amazing so we did teach and i did a food meal train and we did a fundraiser and you know I just just took care of it for this family so they could just stay at the hospital and not worry about it. So we get home. So Molly's funeral was a musical. It was called Molly Be the Musical. It was at a local theater. 1,300 people came. And all of her friends put on this beautiful musical review on Molly's life. It was amazing. And the opening number was a big dance number. And this girl, Rachel, danced in it. So she danced at Molly's funeral. So in the process of getting to know her family and realizing, Okay, Rachel's not she she ate peanut paste in an egg roll at a restaurant and she's allergic to peanuts and so she had anaphylaxis. So she died from eating an egg roll. Oh my god. Yeah, it was heart wrenching. She was 20, just turning 21. So in the process of meeting this family, the mother asked, Did we ever donate Molly's organs? And we weren't allowed to because we didn't know if her tumor was cancerous. It wasn't. We could have mm-hmm. donated her healthy, beautiful self. But anyway, I said no, we couldn't. And and I said, It's too bad because Molly could have had Ray Kenny could have had Molly's kidney. So Jen Rachel's mother looks at me and says, Kenny needs a kidney. And I said, yep. And that was that. And so we're at the cemetery. It's May 7th, Molly's death day. And we're sending our little lanterns to the skies. Rachel is turning 21 on life support at a hospital an hour away. Jen calls us, calls me on my cell phone and says, what's Kenny's transplant coordinator's name? I can't tell a story that I'm crying. We would like him to have one of Rachel's kidneys. So Kenny, Molly's dad has a kidney in him that danced in her funeral. Like, like okay. when you think about, isn't that? And anyway, yeah, right. I still can't tell that story without uh-huh. crying. So of course, this we're this family we're best friends now. My daughter Gracie works at Jen's childcare. She's there now. You know, we just have this connection with this family that that you know. And and when uh-huh. Jen's having a bad day, she'll come hang with Kenny. She goes, I just feel like I'm with Rachel. Well, you are. You know. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's, Yeah. So so this is all process of having this baby, process of dealing with Molly's death. What do I do with my life? So once all of that had happened, Kenny has a kidney transplant May 8th or May 9th, and I I get cleared to to go Mm -hmm. ahead and and try having the baby. So we do a round of IVF in the fall of 2018 and it doesn't work. And that, you know, again, I have I have children, two in heaven, two here. So when I was trying to have this baby, I had Gracie. It's not like a lot of women who can't. Yeah. Get pregnant. I was very, yeah. very, I was very, very open to the fact that I was just supposed to do this. Like it was about the journey, not the, not the end, end game. If yeah. the baby happened, it wasn't supposed to happen. You know, like yeah. When I didn't get pregnant, I thought, okay, well, the whole purpose was for me to find these brain tumors. So I, we go back to the doctor, and he just grins at me. This Italian man, Vito Cardoni, greatest. <laughs> So I know, Vito. Yo, Vito. So, I'm yeah, Italian. But, too, so oh, I'm so, he's, and he has this accent. And he and he just says, Italian doctors understand female bodies so much better than American doctors. And your body is made for babies. And I don't care what your age is. You know, You know. so anyway, so he goes, I have some ideas to make this work. Well, let's try again. So now I'm 56. You know, like, I'm, I'm not young. Mm-hmm. So we try again. So of course, COVID comes and everything sort of gets put on hold for a while. But in the summer of 2020, I became pregnant. And so I actually found out I was pregnant on the same day that I found out I was pregnant with Gracie 20 years prior. Like,
0: wow, wow. oh my word.
1: That's amazing. So now here I am. I'm 57 years, old, 57 years old and I'm pregnant and I can't tell anybody because you know, I want to make, I want to wait until I know everything is fine. You know, I just, sure. so I wait the 13 weeks, you know, thir- the first 13 weeks, it's still all the hormones and the patches and the shots and the pills and all this. And then you just stop. I, th- I thought I would like ease off it, but you don't. You just stop. So I was in a panic that at 13 weeks it, would, it wouldn't would work. Nope, nope. I call him Jingle Jangle, but he was fine in there. A little Jack-Jack, he just, I didn't know he was a boy at the time. So I go to my local doctor and I'm like, okay, when can I tell people? And he goes, not for 10 more weeks. And I'm like, what? And he he just, he's an Indian guy. Dr. Chaudhary, Hashish Chaudhary. I'm telling you right now, I've decided non-American doctors are my thing. My my my. <laughs> My brain doctor was from Turkey, Imad Eskandar. You know, I have all these amazing foreign docs that wow. care my body. So, um, so I I don't tell anybody, but I have every test there is to have. So yeah. in the in the summer of 1999, I, I had a baby that I that I delivered at 25 weeks, he had a very very bad heart defect, wasn't going to live, didn't you know, you know, died in utero in the process of being born. It was it was heart wrenching. I donated his little body. To Children's Hospital of Philadelphia because they have an unbelievable neonatal cardiac care unit there and and I knew that you know I could bury him but what good would that do you know it wouldn't do anyone any good so I so we said goodbye and they and I got a letter a few years later that they had been able to recreate his heart on a 3D printer so they could look how to fix wow. it because it was an unfixable defect he would be born and then just travel wow. You know, and not live. and so it's one of those things that can go in and fix it sort of in utero. So I thought, okay, well this was this is great news. So in the process of having all my tests with Jack, I had to have a fetal epicardiogram, which I had had on the baby that I lost. I had to go to the same hospital, you know, same room, and so I, I was having a lot of you know little triggery flashback. Oh, yeah. So I t- I'm talking to the tech and I talk up all, all about Molly, and this hospital is affiliated with the one that Molly was on life support at. and so everybody knows it. she goes, we all know Molly. You know when we have patients that we don't understand we close our eyes and think about molly because we want to make sure what happened to molly mm. doesn't happen to anyone else and so that was reassuring so the cardiologist comes in this young woman and she said well young, she's young compared to me and she says tell me about this baby that you lost and so i start telling her and filling her in and she says to me i performed the autopsy on that baby so what? yes so she used to work at children's hospital philadelphia she now works wow. at the children's hospital at Dartmouth here in New Hampshire. And she remembered all of it. She's like, I cannot believe I'm meeting you. I don't I don't even know how to wrap my head around this. I never work pediatrics. I don't work on Tuesdays. Somebody called oh. out, called in last minute. So you know. Wow. Like this. You know what I mean? It, it's it's oh
0: yeah, <laughs> exactly. Those connections. Yes. Hurt moments
1: those little guard winks. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. So my journey with Jack is full of those stories. Those are the ones that stand out the most. I mean, that's a pretty significant connection, you know, meeting this woman that held my little baby in her hands, you know, like oh twenty years God. ago, you know twenty one years ago. So Jack wow. was. Jack was due in April, but he but I got pre-eclampsia, so he was born March twentieth. He's my one push wonder. I you know that they I didn't even <laughs> need to go. Today. They stripped my membranes and gave me magnesium for the high blood pressure, and I went to bed. And i woke up and i'm like oh i guess we're not having a baby and they looked at me like you're in labor you've been in labor since two this morning I'm like oh okay oh. so they broke my water and kenny came up and i said all right why don't you push and i did a big giant push i'm very fit i'm a very athletic fit person and little jack yeah. came right out it was the one push wonder it was it amazing, was amazing. <laughs> yeah <laughs> little jack so that was march 20th 2021. um so gracie's process with this was tough i always need to acknowledge the fact that she was not happy with me she was hurt. She was afraid. She felt out of the loop. She didn't agree. Mm-hmm. It was really hard on her. And and yeah. one of my missions in life is to is to I have a memoir that I'm that's being released in April. But I want to write a book about siblings, and I want to call right. it I'm Here because siblings are often the forgotten mm-hmm. people. So, but the minute Jack came home, that was it. they they're each other's. If if there's mm-hmm. a report, the I'm here and Gracie's here. He'll choose Gracie over me every time. Yeah. So it's all about sissy, not about mommy. So so in the since having Jack is when I really have decided, okay, I, I have this amazing miracle. I survived brain tumors. Kenny got a kidney transplant. I have this amazing baby who is supposed to be here, and he is a blessing. I, I Sometimes I look at him, and I'm like, okay, I just have to keep him healthy and happy because he's supposed to do something, and I just need oh. to facilitate whatever that is. That's how I feel about it sometimes. Like, yeah, he doesn't belong to me at all. He really is mm-hmm. just... The universe's baby. Um, so that's so after his birth is when I started the podcast. I, I call it a thousand tiny steps. And it's really just my life story. And I've had one of those lives where I've had horrible things happen to me. I've had wonderful things happen to me. My book editor yeah. said, if you were a fictional character, you wouldn't be believable. One person, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, so there's that. Um, and so, and so now, so really, I guess my big turning point is the fact that that I have at 59, I'm 59 now. I still nurse my baby. Like I, I still have a body that feeds a baby. He's a beautiful yeah. child. Um, I, uh, the hospital that did my brain tumors um, flew us to Utah and we filmed this beautiful TV commercial for them in this beautiful Canyon. So I've been able to share wow. my story in such amazing ways. Yeah, Jack and I were on a 33 story building in New York city for six months. This big giant, story yeah. <laughs> it just came down a couple of weeks ago, but um, So, so, you know, I just I guess I guess if I had anything to share with anyone in regard to my story is that in the darkest, 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 darkest times, there is always, always a glimmer somewhere of something that keeps you afloat, whether it's a buoy in the middle of the ocean or whether it's an island full of fruit. It it, it doesn't really matter. There's something that will get you to what you need, even if you don't know what you need. And I feel sometimes like like meeting you is just exemplifies this philosophy for me. You know I just I happen upon it, and then you and then something stands out, and so I follow up, and then everything I find out tells me, yes, Barbara Jean Higgins, this is exactly where you're supposed to be and wow. and yeah, so that's that's really um when i when I talk when I go and talk, i you know I just always want to make sure that you know i'm I'm just reaching people that can use support or acknowledgement or validation um. Mm-hmm you know not every 57-year-old woman can have a baby. I'm lucky. The body that God gave me is amazing and so I'm lucky. I'm incredibly lucky. Not everyone has that and I understand that. But it it doesn't mean that you shouldn't take the steps to try, you know, find find people that support you and love you and make these make these decisions. So now I have this little baby that you know I have a plethora of plastic toys in my living room again. <laughs> you know, you know and um and our life is dictated by this little teeny tiny human. Um but he's, but it's, it's amazing. You know, at 59, I, I, it's much just easier. I don't, I don't care so much, you know, like what, you know, what people think. Being a mother at my yeah. age, you know, I, okay, I have a wrinkly stomach. Yeah, well, I had a wrinkly stomach anyway. So, oh well. Right. You know, I, I pee when <laughs> yes. I sneeze. Well, I peed when I sneezed anyway. So, you know, like, <laughs>
0: true.
1: Have company, <laughs> you know, so, so, so that's me. That's, that's the part of my story that I'm sharing the most right now is that I had the worst thing ever that could happen, which is losing a child. And I'd already lost one 20 years prior. So I sort of thought I was all done with that. But again, that's not how life works. And then I have, I've had, you know, we're going in year seven now. Come, You know, it'll be seven years in yeah. May since so always gone. Um, I just feel that, that in these seven years, I've seen it all. And that I really, really what I'm supposed to do is just help people.
0: Mm. Oh my gosh. by I love you. So like, it's one of those, you touch my heart. I, Well, I'm just overwhelmed. It's been like one thing after another of like, oh my goodness. You hear how many things a person goes through and like we've shared some of the pieces of our story on the podcast as people come more, but I feel more connected when I hear people share that kind of heartache because that's been like the behind the scenes things of our story that it's like, there's so many pieces and parts. And when you pay that love and learning forward, someone else I guarantee is going to hear your story and be like, okay, I'm not going to give up. I can try a little bit harder. I'm going to reach out to her. I'm going to find someone who can help me get these answers. Or maybe, you know, maybe they've always wanted to have a child and they're going to decide, you know what? No, it's not too late. You know, some people, they're 40 and get married. Like that's incredible. That is a miracle. And like you said, with your health, how old is your baby now? 21 months yesterday. 21 months. How cute. You said Jack. I love when you said like jingle jangle. Well, you
1: know I sing, I sing jingle jangle, Jack, Jack, jingle jangle, G. I love you and you love me.
0: So yeah. So I call him Jingle Jingle. So and how sweet for is that your daughter's you said her name's Grace?
1: Yeah, Gracie. Yeah. She and she oh. he calls her sissy. And they have a very, very special bond. And then Kenny, yeah. you know, Kenny's retired. So he gets to, you know, in raising all of his children, he has three children yes. in their 30s. And then Gracie's 21. And then now Jack is 21 months. Um, and he didn't ever get to be the stay-at-home person. He was working sixty-seven. 70, So, right. you know, he missed out on the mundane diaper after diaper after diaper and you know, <laughs> the trail, trail of pirate's booty and, you know, and the crumbs and the half-eaten baby foods. And, you know, he never a-
0: night.
1: Yes, that, oh, exactly, <laughs> all the toys. And So Kenny and Jack have a wonderful time. They have the little morning routine and they do bath time and, you know, he goes to childcare twice a week because he can't be, he needs to be around young people. He can't just be around old people. And so they have their process and and Kenny takes them and, and they have their, they have their time together. So it's, it's, you know, it's one, it's, it's, it's youthful for Kenny as well. He gets to, he gets to spend time looking at the world through the eyes of a baby, which is the best way Mm sometimes.
0: Yeah. Oh, this is so special. I, I literally, there's so many like sparkle moments and just the gifts which we always coach on is help our clients like if you can find the blessing in that challenge right if you can find yeah. that gift and then to be able to pay it forward whether it's through speaking or events yes. or your books or yes. just sharing your story like this so thank you for being willing to share so generously and thank you for just all the little miracles you blessed us with of the love obviously so loved in your family with your daughter and i've never even heard of a funeral like that but man that's the kind of celebration i would want to have that's incredible it's like it's a musical.
1: Yeah. wow yeah. It's on her so i have a molly b foundation website and molly is called. Me. i want to hear all the things yeah tell us so the molly b foundation we just now solidified our 501c3 so we can actually start now with some serious serious fundraising um, mm-hmm. Molly was Molly was just a helper, and she like in second grade she wanted to give her Easter basket to a little girl in her class named Deepseeka because oh she was from you know she was a refugee student and she didn't know about Easter baskets and I'm like well let's go buy her one honey you don't have to give her yours oh, okay. but, but that's how she was you know she would she would
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, give things away all the time so. Yes. She loved theater and music and dance. And that and that's where she felt comfortable. She said, you know, these are my people, mommy, I'm supposed to be in the theater. And so
0: mm.
1: her foundation, what we've done so far is just provide scholarships for kids to attend theater camps and dance camps and yeah. uh, buy pink violins for our local elementary schools. Molly's violin was pink. So all the local um, elementary schools have a couple of pink violins for kids that can't afford
0: that's one. Cool. Oh yeah, so gosh.
1: we do little things like that right now. Um, but her, her Molly Be The Musical is on there. Um, And it really was, you know, when she died, she, you know, she's 13. So her friends are 11, 12, 13. That's middle school. That's a really young age.
0: You're old
1: enough to get it and too young to handle it. That's kind of what middle school is like. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted a way that they would remember her happy. And so it filled the theater. 1,300 people came. Um, And it was like a a two-hour show. And there was singing and dancing, um, scenes from a couple of plays that she was in, it was it was the most amazing thing. It really was an amazing amazing tribute to a little girl. And um, in the theater, they donated. You know, we it it was like a fifty thousand dollar funeral that cost us nothing. Um, the Olive Garden, um, fed all those people. Like you know, people just stepped up and made it this amazing thing. Um, so there's wow. that. Um, and then I have a website called The Thousand Tiny Steps. Um, and that's where my podcast is and yeah. my weekly blog. Um, and again, my, the whole purpose of my podcast—and you mentioned this in one of your first episodes—is that I'm just going to tell my story so that people can listen. You know, and if and if it's triggering, mm-hmm. turn the podcast off. If if it makes sense, you can binge yeah. and listen five in a row. You know, like it's just a free way for me to share. So I share yeah. everything. I had, uh, you know, season one is about Jack. Season two is about Molly. Season three is about trauma and how so many of my life decisions come from a place of trauma. Mm-hmm. I had, I had a, some child abuse in my younger life. Um, And so I'm just candid and open about that. Um, I talk about parenting now versus parenting 20 years ago.
0: Um,
1: And and I just finished, so I was, so I'm 59, so I went off to college in 1981. And -hmm. that was when the NCAA first accepted women as athletes. That's how old I am. I was, we were the first class of athletes at Boston University where I went to full scholarship athletes and run for the NCAA. I had an amazing collegiate career um, and I ran for Nike for several years. You know, I've had amazing things. So I I just, Mm -hmm. the whole podcast is my life story. Um, And I try to put funny funny little snippets in, but I say things that other people don't. That's the biggest piece of feedback I get. What I love most Mm -hmm. Barbara, is that you say things that other people only think. And it's so nice to hear them out loud. So Mm -hmm. then, okay, then, then that's what I'll do, you know?
0: I love it. Well, and that's the thing, right? Because it's genuine. And in a world with all of the internet and things, and people, they wonder, is that person real? You know, is that real? Is it fake? They're checking. Like, the reason I have the setup, I'm like, this is my actual space. Like, these are my actual books and clients. And, you know, it's like when people can get a taste of, like, wow, that's a real story. We each happen to buy the same exact mug. Like, it's just, I know, I love love it. Real connections in life, and I think people are so hungry for that you know, genuine relationships and deeper connections where it's not just a money grab. It's like, yeah, we can all make a lot of money and help each other, but it's about a bigger impact. You know, that's what this legacy, legacy, and legends. When people come on and they really listen, they're like, oh, the legacy, it's family. Yes. it's your life stories. It's everybody's yes. valuable. Everybody's priceless. You're all yes. children of God and everybody has a story. And That's I right. am so grateful that you responded to that post and reached out because well, I, I just feel we blessed do. to get to know you.
1: Yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, we, were, we are supposed to know one another. That's, yes, I just feel I agree.
0: That. And I think the coffee mug solidified it in my heart. So <laughs> it definitely <laughs> did. That is amazing. Oh, yeah. what a love. Thank you yeah. so much, Barb, for being on the show today, oh, and again, to if people want to get in touch with you. I'm going to make sure um, you're you're in the comments and the description. We'll have all the links and everything, you guys, yeah. so that you can check out the foundation, check out Barb's podcast, and and connect yeah. with this amazing woman. Yeah. I'm sure you no, know somebody. No, yeah, I'm just
1: Barb Higgins thing. on Facebook. I'm just Barb yeah. Higgins I'm, on Instagram. I'm Barb underscore four four four. My four 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 is my angel number. So, um, so that's mm. my Instagram. So, and it's all they're all public. You know, they're not private accounts. So I'm easily googleable
0: perfect yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) that's perfect okay well thank you barb i'm going to go ahead and wrap up this one and i hope you all enjoyed another episode of legacy and legends as we are spreading light around the world thank you so much